Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. Today, we've got uh, Jonathan Armoyan with us today. He's a realtor. He's got Tony Montana behind him. Uh, welcome to the program. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What's kind of interesting is like Tony Montana became such an icon, uh, even for like uh, the rapper community. Oh, yeah. Those okay. uh, gunslingers from like uh, where drugs meet citizens. Uh, he's a hero, but uh, lots of negatives, but also pastas, right? Uh, that's one of the lessons in life is you don't have to just look to Mother Teresa to find positive attributes. Sometimes people that are on the other spectrum have attributes that are really important to us, right? Exactly. Yeah. You just take the positive things out. You know, I don't condone like uh, drugs or any type of thing like that. But you take the positive things out and you see like Tony Montana, like one of the biggest um, sayings I hear in business is like your word is everything. Right. Yes. That that came. I like I don't, I don't know if it came from that movie, but it was a big scene in the movie. Right. So. Uh, but he's also got another quote in the movie, if I remember. I tell the truth even when I lie. It's yeah. a quote that he says, which maybe yeah. isn't quite spot on. Yeah. Which quote are you thinking of? I definitely like the the word is word is everything. Or when the when he was coming up and then Sosa, the big boss, came yes. up um, and he's like, uh, he's like, are you uh, are you a spy like your partner or whatever? And he's like, he got mad at him. And he was he was a small guy at the time, but he got mad at the big boss. And he's like, look, don't call me a liar. You know, like my word is everything to me. So uh, uh, it's uh, just things like that would resonate for me. Certain quotes he would take or like certain like certain uh, things he would do, like gestures and stuff like that. I would I would see it in a lot of like business, a uh, big businessman, successful businessman, and and uh, I would just be like, uh, some. I remember when I was younger and I first saw them, I was gonna be like, are these businessmen trying to act like Scarface <laughs> or like what are they doing here? Like, uh, so I don't know. A lot of stuff, and there's like a lot of older movies that that have those good quotes, and they really resonate with you, right? Absolutely. I think uh, what's kind of interesting is, you know, certainly we have the luminaries of the world, like the Lincolns and the Laura Seacourts of the world, we kind of quote them, but uh, movies and provide such meaningful quotes because they're in a modern context and they're yeah. more uh, accessible to the masses saying, oh, in, you know, Darth Vader said this, or in this movie that was said, and it quotes give you the ability to think about a situation and see it from a different filter, which I think allow us to be better human beings. 100%, 100% agree. No, I'm, I'm big on that. I love business movie like Wall Street, the original, not Wolf on Wall Street, but like the original with Gordon yeah. Love that movie. Like, um, it's just, it, it, it gives you an idea of what kind of personality it takes to be a businessman. And they're not, like, some of them are obviously over-exaggerated movies, right? But 
you got to watch it with a grain of salt and then take it for what it is and just take the parts out of it that you think would be useful, right? And um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, so there's an old adage, you know, you uh, eat the meat and you leave the bones. And what that means is, you know, in whatever philosophy that you're looking at, no one philosophy is going to be absolutely perfect for you. Right. But you are going to see some elements say, oh, that's really useful to me. And I think that's why, uh, not many people know this, by the way, that's why we have almost 8 billion people in the world is not to crowd out the world, is to learn from other human beings. Because when you look at somebody, so let me ask you a question, Jonathan. Yeah. Who is somebody in the world that you admire? Oh, I mean, uh, are you talking like uh, an idol or are you talking but it like- could be, It could be a, a grandparent, a coach, a friend. My grandmother, uh, my grandmother. What's her name? What's your grandmother's name? Anahid Armoyan. And she is... Uh, and she's 84 years old and she's an absolute hustler like she is still trying to crack deals and do business even though she, she's she's okay you know she's 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 uh she, uh my dad and my uncle have done well so like you know she's taking so care. so take a look at her there's other uh nephews that she i mean grandchildren that she has yeah and if they were to describe the that she possesses it might be different than the one the hustle may not be the one that speaks to them. And when we see other human beings and we admire attributes, it tells you more about yourself than that other person. That person highlights it for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100% agree. 100% agree. And and some people you just, it's innate, like they're almost born with uh, uh, this, this trait. Some people, you know, you can also develop it over time. But like she was born very poor, right? To the point where like... Um, she would like she would like hide over a loaf of bread like I think she grew up in um, old Armenia and then moved to Lebanon because of the genocide so she grew up in a hard time and her, and her father died very young and uh, she had to literally survive literally so you know uh, and and the fact that uh, she's still she's still healthy and she's so active like I've never seen a lady that old and i'm not just saying because she's my grandmother but i've never seen a lady that old so competent and like smart because she's just not doing she's doing things that uh that she likes and she's not losing her memory or anything because once you take them out of their routine they lose their memory but like she's still trying to rent out like uh you know i have a unit I have a, a severed house I built close to hers and uh, I have a unit on the bottom floor and she's like I think we can re- rent that out for like 2500 or something like this and I'm just like I'm like why do you need go granny go yeah uh, can I give you a piece of advice yeah don't get into a knife fight with her no, no on her not you <laughs> I only do the project you know I don't have time but I'm like she's and she built she worked with a project manager and she built the space out and I was just like I was like look like you know, uh we don't want to take our privacy like we don't need we didn't need to rent it out we can do business outside but she just she just like took initiative and did it you know what I mean and nice. I I'm just shocked. Like, I don't think she'll ever stop. You know what I mean? And, and she was uh, my original inspiration. She was my hype man. And when I first became a realtor, she even got me my first lead, which turned into a sale. So uh, she's someone I, I have a Bravo for her. respect for. Yeah. So uh, tell us about your real estate career. When did you start in real estate? Uh, November 2019, but I've been in the, like, that's as an agent, I've been in actual, like, construction, real estate, things like this, um, much before that, and then I, I've, 
I've always been in sales in one way or the other, right? Um, actually, how I got into sales was um, I was selling. So I was working for um, Armco, um, a, a land development company, and they had a building with three kitchens in it. Right. And and they and uh, essentially they're like, can you sell like these kitchen stuff? Even though I had no idea. And then then they had another building where they had a spa they had foreclosed on so they seized all these assets and there was crazy like a reverse osmosis machine in there which turns uh, salt water into fresh water like stuff i had no idea what the price was right um and then they had one last building that they were gonna plan on tearing down because they got a development agreement to build 25 stories there and the current building was nine and uh they're like sell like salvage all the office furniture in there so it was nine floors of office furniture i had to sell so uh i just ran auctions out and and i had a timeline right because those buildings were being sold so they're like yeah the closing date is here and it was like a month out you got to get it all done and i'm like oh my god this is this is so much right um and uh i did so i hosted auctions for all three of those buildings and uh essentially they they went well and we salvaged what we could um but like i just went i was selling so much i didn't even realize like like what uh armco didn't want me to sell and i ended up selling like their company barbecue and stuff like this and they're like they're all the whole office was scurrying around on canada day like looking for this company barbecue and then and then someone's like have you seen this this used to be in that that building we sold i was like yeah i sold that i got a good deal on it and then after that after that my uncle's like you gotta go into you gotta go to real estate he's like he's like you gotta go you gotta do this so um so tell us about a deal in real estate that wasn't going well and that you saved oh there's there's a lot there's that's every deal but tell us about one of them um okay so one of them um so I sell a lot of new construction, right? And uh, essentially, one of them, uh, there was a, there was these split entries out in the suburban area, like a more suburban area of Halifax, about an hour away from the city. And um, it was a new construction built, but it had mold in it. And I was like, oh my god, like this is unacceptable. But it it wasn't even mold; it was mildew. So it was. Uh, it, it was just the fact that it was in an airtight space and they didn't put a humid, humidifier in there and I was double landing it too right so I was on both the buy and sell side and you have to please both parties at, at that time and uh you know their first time home buyer like this and that um and essentially I would just play around with the conditions. So like I would write an amendment and I would be like, you know, um, if mold is not like after property inspection, if mold is not retributed, like uh, we'll pay like this amount is owed um, or this, or we would do like, you know, or the, um, or the seller has to take on that expense. And then, um, and then essentially like uh, just fix it himself and then we inspect it again and it got to the point where it was closing it was closing day and they're still fighting about this and like i'm like oh my god this thing isn't gonna close right um and they uh and then 
I would just, I would tell them, I'm like, let's do a letter of undertaking. So essentially we closed this house because they needed a place to move. Like they had no choice. They were going to be homeless. And like, and like, it's, it's kind of hard taking on the pressure of, uh, you know what I mean? Of some, like a new home buyer and like, you right. know, like they're going to be homeless if they don't have this thing. And like, like you, you feel bad. Right. So I'm like, I'm like, no, no, we'll like, we'll change this deal in any way without manipulating the price but at the same time by doing a letter of undertaking by getting everyone what they want so making the seller so i had to make the seller happy i had to make the buyer happy and then i had to also not change anything as far as price or delaying closing or something like that so there's quite a bit of new construction deals and then the other hardest time i'd say is when there was almost nothing on the market um and there was about there's a $850,000 house. Um, Jonathan, we give me a favor. Put the pen down. Now I can hear the clicking. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I got fidgety. And then um, essentially what I like, uh, we, we, I found out after we got our offer accepted, but there's like 25 offers or something like that on this thing. And we, our offer was, um, was the exact same as three other offers, the exact same price. But the reason the buyer took us uh, or the seller took us was because I had put, we'll submit a $50,000 deposit within the first day. And we have five, five days uh, to meet conditions. And then uh, we'll do your ideal closing, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so essentially $50,000. like That one the day? Sorry, yeah, that one, that one, it just because of the condition. Uh, and it was mostly because of the $50,000 deposit. But at the end of the day, the buyer was going to pay that anyways. It just looked better on paper, but it's, it's the same damn thing. All right. So uh, a lot of realtors don't consider themselves salespeople. Yeah. Uh, but real estate is selling. So yeah. uh, talk to me about that disconnect. Like sometimes sales is seen as a dirty word. It's not. That movie behind you, Scarface got sold to someone to make that movie. Al Pacino got sold to be in the movie. So selling is important. Your thoughts on selling in real estate? Mark Cuban says it best. All businesses end in sales. There's not a business that doesn't end in sales. So if you can't sell, you can't run a business, right? Like whether you're selling a service or selling a product, every business is sales. The purpose of a business is to make a profit and you can't make a profit unless you sell something. Exactly. And in sales, it seems like it's a rare thing to, to come across like a good, an actual good salesman, right? Um, and it's, it's hard to come and what comes with sales is you have to be very persistent, you know, you're not the smartest guy, but maybe you're the most persistent and you'll just drive people nuts until, until they either sign. So there's a fine line between there. So we've got uh, somebody booked the appointment between you and I. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to somebody else that was booked on an appointment. I said, you know, how was AJ booking this appointment? They said she was persistent, yeah, but not pushy. So I, initially I said no, but she convinced me to say yes in a way that I felt good about myself. And she did a brilliant job. And I think that's what selling's about. People have this illusion of what salespeople are like. It's like, 
hey jonathan how are you you know i was like that's not selling uh, um, my, yeah, first, not my first experience in selling was uh i worked in this uh family business and the guy from hitachi canada their sales manager came to sell to us uh, vcrs tvs that kind of stuff yeah he was the most mild-mannered person you ever met he was the number one salesperson and right. he worked part-time in an appliance store and he was their number one salesperson even though other people worked full-time and it was the first person i went wait a minute being a salesperson is not about being pushy. It's about being helpful. No, pushy is like the absolute wrong tactic to take in sales. It's the number one wrong tactic. Or sending an email that's like not genuine or calling someone and doesn't seem genuine. You have to build genuine relationships. And when you build genuine relationships, you get clients who trust you, who become repeat buyers. And that's how the business grows, right? Repeat buyers are my best clients like you know i have a few clients that I, when i started uh my first year i didn't i you don't have repeat buyers that much in your first year so like when i reevaluated myself going into my second year i was like i gotta focus on these repeat buyers and i gotta i gotta essentially give them all the attention they need. And then obviously still focus on other buyers, but these guys come first because they're doing 10 transactions a year with me. So I got to make sure they're getting the best deals and I got to make sure that they're happy with me. And I, I got to, you know, call them up every once in a while and follow up with them. Right. Um, so like my repeat buyers and my, um, and the people like, uh, who I, I enjoy working with. Well, I enjoy sales overall. You got to enjoy it, right? You can't force yourself like to sell, you know what I mean? Like uh, either, either you like it or you don't. And like, there's a lot of new realtors that are joining now, but you know, they gotta, they gotta really love sales. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not something you can half-ass. You just, you just won't survive. Right. Like the, another, another famous thing I was told when I was a realtor is like one, one percent or it was five percent of the realtors make 95 percent of the money right so Definitely. and like that's just the truth so one of the skills that's hard for people to do but is essential in life and especially sales is the art of listening yeah because people reveal so much stuff and if you're in your head thinking about what you're going to say next you miss it so how do you stay in the zone how do you actually listen you ask certain questions that bring out certain it's it's like cross-examining someone in uh, court, right? You ask certain questions that will bring out certain answers and then you'll you'll get an idea essentially. Like um, I was with my buddy yesterday and we were like, uh, we were at one of his rentals uh, and he was, he was looking at, he was talking to his tenants and they hadn't paid rent for a while. And that, but they had this huge like uh, SUV and they were, and I was like, oh, that's a big car, like uh, this and that. And they're like, yeah, it's $250 to fill it with gas. And I go to my buddy, I'm like, look, they're not paying their $1,400 rent, but like every two weeks they're filling this thing up with 250 bucks. So like, there's something, there's like key points you catch on to and stuff like this. And, uh, and I'm just, and like, he didn't register that. I'm like, man, you got to pick up on this stuff. I go, that car is probably like a $60,000 car too. You know what I mean? So um things like this cues or or even if i want to if i want to find out the truth about something i'll ask three different people and then and then collect what i can what bits of information and then combine them together and then i'll get i'll, I'll probably better idea better idea right, right. 
So, I mean, uh, it's just little things that, that, that people say. Like, I remember I, I, I worked for a hotel, uh, for a hotel when I was in university, like a summer, uh, summer co-op. And, uh, the, the accounting people, the head of accounting came into like our, our meeting with all the head managers one day and the boss was there and she goes, she's talking about this new car she bought. And the first thing the boss says to her is I pay you too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, if you buy a new car, keep it to yourself. Do not tell your boss. <laughs> Even though they don't pay you too much, but it's still like a, and, the, and that hurts, especially when they're not paying you too much. I know. And I it's know. like, come on. Yeah, what do you mean pay me too much? But so like, don't volunteer to say it if you don't have to, right? There's like <laughs> so one of the things that great salespeople do is ask really good questions. And the nice thing about questions is this is if you ask the right question, you can actually change the brain chemistry of the person you're talking to. So it's like, well, tell me about the first time you moved into this house. What was that like? And all of a sudden they light up and they go back to that memory and they experience all that stuff. Yeah. That that's what we want to do in the next house that we find you to just amp that feeling up. Yeah. So basically take care of your family in a bigger way. And just by doing that, you get to invoke emotion and facts don't sell, emotion sell. Exactly. Urgency, especially urgency is big. I mean, we just went through that market, right? It's like people are putting in blind offers, but it's all because of urgency it has nothing has nothing to do with anything else. But like, like you said, emotion sell, right? So let's say you are talking to a realtor that's been in the business for four years, mm -hmm. doing 10 transactions a year. So like not well at all. Yeah. Grand scheme of things, but they've got talent the thing they're missing is sales. So what would be five pieces of advice you'd give that agent to amp up their sales ability so they actually go from the 10 transactions to 20 that year? Yeah. Um, 10 transactions with different people? Yeah, so let's say just a regular agent and they just kind of like stumble through their career and not earning a lot, but they've first got potential. Thing, first thing I would say is, uh, is you know, always go for the listing. If, if you're going to do that, like the listing is the king, is the kingpin, like, you yeah. know, and you get the listing, you get the kingpin. So like, you got a cold call at that point. If your network is not big enough, like you, you should be going out to networking events and meeting people face to face and explaining to them why you're uh benefit, why you can like what you can offer them. You have to sell your service. Right. And, uh, and sometimes you got to become the person they want you to be. You know what I mean? That's another sales thing, right? So uh, it, it's like, you know, uh, businessmen like different, you know, uh, first time home buyers, you need to treat different. So that's the other thing I would say is. So hold that thought for a minute. I was at an event and there was a really nervous looking uh, lieutenant, mm -hmm. state trooper, Maryland state trooper. He's pacing back and forth. And I go, hey, dude, what's going on? So I got to get up on stage and I got to do a presentation. So we start chit-chatting. And one of the things he did was he is a really good interrogator. Right. He says, uh, you know, when they bring a criminal in, if they're a trucker, I go home and I change into jeans, boots, and a plaid shirt. And I come into the interrogation room. I just start chatting with them. If it's a mm -hmm. banker, I go home and I get a suit. And I look really, really like the banker. So when I want to get a confession, I dress like that person. I don't force them on anything. What yeah. I do is I just build rapport with that person. And yeah. after a time, they go, hey, dude, this is what really happened. And they confess. So he yeah. doesn't really coercion to do that. He's basically just connecting with them as a human being.
Yes, exactly, exactly. And you have to, yeah, you have to be care, like, you just have to be charismatic. Like, I mean, it, it's, uh, you have to be able to talk with anybody, you know, um, you have to understand different cultures, how to how to be respectful to that culture, right? Like, um, I have a lot of Chinese clients, and they don't like the number four, right? And yep. <laughs> Do you know why they don't like the four? I knew the reason. And then here's I, the reason I, why a homonym is where two words sound the same, but they have two different meanings. Right. And foreign Chinese is a homonym for death. So uh, I think that's a bad omen. If you ever see a car with four, four, four in the number plate, you know, 100%, no Asians driving that freaking car. I know. I know. Yeah. But if I it's know. got three eights, yeah, they lucky number it. for them. there's a Chinese yeah. dude in that car for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly. Like even, um uh armco my family's company had um uh a bunch of buildings they were building in montreal and uh they named the project eq8 equilibrium number eight because like uh, a lot of the attract the buyers yeah. yeah exactly and they went and they promoted it in china right so and would like, you like to come on the eighth floor oh boy yeah, i want the eighth floor and the eighth apartment on the eighth floor that's the lucky one like they, they, I, in china i don't even think they have a fourth floor i think it just goes three to five like in our uh culture sometimes we don't have the 13th floor yeah yeah they yeah, missed the exactly. fourth yeah <laughs> yeah the fourth and there's a there's another number i think it might have been 18 but <laughs> like stuff so you have to understand the cultures a lot too because it's it's big like uh it's a it's a big deal to them right and yet you know you don't want to be uh disrespectful in any type of way uh and then um like to the point where i had i had like i think we we're gonna write an offer i mean one of my chinese clients for 5,000 uh, or 564,000 and they're like make it five six eight you know like oh, oh, yeah. oh, like it's to that point they'll spend an extra 4,000 bucks just to but, get the right uh, number yeah brilliant so Jim, I, let me ask you this you like a lot of movies yeah you like a lot of characters who's the character that you'd like to be like I would like to be like I mean uh I really respect Mary Poppins. Like, uh, who would it be? <laughs> I like Ray Dalio. I mean, like, he, like, do you mean character like a, a fictional or non? Yeah, a fictional a character. Fictional? Um, that's a tough one. Um, like uh, a, a more. I'm trying to think of what what business movies I watch. Which ones? Uh, there's so many good ones. Um, a non, a less. A less, uh, I, I like a more moral version of Gordon Gecko. Yep, makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to do like, like, he, like, I think he was insider trading in the movie and then he was doing some stuff that, oh, he was, he was, he was I don't know, he's going to fire like tens of thousands of people or something like that. So, uh, and, and hurt the economy. So, like, uh, a more moral version of him, you know. Okay, I'm going to give you a movie recommendation if you've not seen it. It's called Other People's Money with Danny DeVito. Okay. No, I haven't seen it. I got it. It, it sounds good. Huh? He's the guy that goes into companies, buys them, and just splits them off and fires uh, people. But, uh, of course, gets a heart at the end of the movie. So, yeah. Jonathan... Uh, What's one piece of advice you'd give realtors that would help them become better, stronger, faster? Better, stronger, faster. I would, I would tell them um, definitely get yourself out there. Make a, like get yourself to the networking events and, and just talk with people and, and really try and learn 
have like learn by like you don't have to attract everybody you talk to but if you make a mistake and that guy didn't like you didn't sign with you go reevaluate it and see what you did wrong and then go back to the next networking event and and eventually you'll do better absolutely so like it's just it's just a matter of putting in the work and being persistent in that way right so it's inevitable if you if you go to enough networking events and you talk to enough people and like if you have um the guts to do cold calls door knocking stuff like this like you're just gonna it's inevitable it's inevitable that you're just gonna grow right so you can get better that's the thing don't take it personally just learn what you can so i had this guy come in he was a guy that sold uh branded merchandise like you know one of these water things with a logo on it right and so he came in to see me and said hey umar when i go to networking events i'm a wallflower I'm right. if someone comes to talk to me i'll talk with them but i can't approach new people so right. i said okay tell me about a particular time you went to a networking event and you want to go approach someone and you didn't yeah. Well, you did it badly. He says, oh yeah, I was going to this thing and there was a guy there I really wanted to meet, but I just couldn't get there. I said, okay, in your mind's eye, I want you to go back to that networking event and see what you saw, all the people there. He says, I'm seeing it. Hear what have you heard? You know, people chit-chatting, your inner thoughts. When you do those two things, you get to re-experience what you were feeling. And he goes, that's weird, man. I'm feeling it now. It's an uncomfortable feeling right here. Yeah. And it's a tool from neuroscience you can use to link this feeling to the unconscious mind that records everything. And as soon as we linked that tool, a childhood memory came up. And this was the memory. He went from uh, rural Maryland, where there was like a, a schoolhouse with like, you know, 12 kids in it, mm-hmm. to Baltimore City with a 2,000 person high school. Right. And it was his first day at school. He's overwhelmed with everything. And as he's leaving school for the day, he has to get on the school bus. And they got like 25 school buses. And this guy, he asked, which school bus should I get on? This guy on purpose sent him to the wrong bus. The wrong bus, yeah. And that guy ended up being his best friend later on. But yeah. he sent him to the wrong bus. And he was on the bus. And at the end of the route, the bus driver looks up at the rearview mirror and says, don't worry, kid, I got you. But yeah. the feeling of being lost in the sea of people yeah. was a childhood experience that blocked him from networking. So he went in, we changed the belief around it and got a call back from him saying, Hey man, I'm going to networking events. I can talk to anybody that I want. And yeah. that's the power of mindset. And that's kind of the work I do is very much figure out what in here blocks you from being freaking fantastic. And that makes every day a joyous day for me because I get to change lives. That's great. Yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, I, I just spent, uh, a month and a half in Armenia and like just being in the east part of the world and seeing what how different the mindset is there you know uh, some people have never left the their village or their country and they're just you know they're the happiest people in the world but like you know they they don't know what else is out there and and this and that but it's just perspective right I mean like this is a weird example I mean even like North Korea like some people could be the happiest people in the world yeah probably they Uh, they wouldn't even know you know what I mean I'll I'll leave you with this story it's an old story it's an allegory it's this uh, American business guy in Mexico and it's it's a small resort town and there's a guy goes out fishing every day and he comes back with this catch and guess it's you know hey what are you doing he says i'm a fisherman you know i go catch fish and that's my how i make my income yeah he goes you know dude you look happy but come on man you got to do more you need to actually go out for a longer period of time and catch more fish so what if i did that what would that do you'd make more money well what would i do with more money you'd buy another boat and you'd have like an employee and then If you got that, then you'd be able to get more boats and more employees and get a fishing plant and a processing plant. And this is how you achieve. He says, then what would I do? Then you would retire. 
And then what would I do? Then you can go fishing and not have to worry yeah, about that stuff. Whatever and you it's want. Like, yeah. so we don't need to just go out blindly. If you're a realtor, you need to figure out what kind of realtor you want to be and what you want to build and never lose sight of happiness. Because happiness, my friends, is how you measure life. Oh, yeah. There's no point killing yourself, building an empire, saying one day I'll be happy. It's like if you have happiness now, you'll be a better business person. Exactly. You'll build faster. You won't burn out. You won't yeah. burn out, which, which is a serious thing in real estate. You know what I mean? Especially when the market's hot and you're exhausted, but deals are coming and like you you can't say no to a deal because <laughs> like something, yeah. you know. And, I, I and it all depends on mindset too, because you can be the surfer on the wave. Yeah. with all these transactions and still be cool or you could be caught up in the wave and being like half drowned and beaten by the wave and so it's all about this and that's the most important that's the number one determining element on how well you do in life is mindset would you agree oh yeah honey easily easily like ray dalio uh he, he runs the biggest hedge fund in the world and he says my biggest contribution to success is me learning transcendental transcendental meditation. meditation absolutely and there's so many famous people that talk about transcendental meditation and or like successful people and like you just have to clear the mind you know okay. and, and so you have to- would you like me to give you a lesson in meditation that's super simple for sure yeah all right so this is what you do you just take a breath in and notice the coolness on your nostrils so breathe through your nose and just feel the coolness now your nostrils when it goes out. When you breathe out through your nose, feel the warmth. That's it. Do that for 10 minutes. When ah. it gives you something to do because you're noticing your nostrils, your mind yeah. doesn't wander as much. And if it does, it's okay. It's like, oh, I need to collect rent here. It's like, okay, noted. Then back to the breathing. It's as simple as that. That's the simplest meditation I know. Yeah, and that's a good one. Like, good place to start. Yeah, that's a great place to start. Transcendental is almost like the same idea, except they don't focus that much on breathing, but they have a mantra and yep. you say the mantra over again. So and that keeps your mind occupied. Absolutely. Yeah, but they say, let your mind drift. They, they said, let it drift. You know what I mean? And it, it goes. Now, and then There's go many ways to, to achieve that. I'll leave you with one last cartoon. It's a, a Dalai Lama-esque kind of guy. Yeah. The other monks have gotten him a gift. And uh, they present him with a gift and the caption reads, and he opens up the box and it's empty. And this llama guy goes, oh my God, thank you so much. That's what I always wanted, nothingness. <laughs> Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the program. Really enjoyed our conversation and looking forward to our next. Yes, me too, me too. Thanks again. This is great. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 